Hi, this is Pastor Ike Nicholson, Senior Pastor at South Suburban Christian Church. I know folks are interested about what's going on and how we're proceeding over the next couple of weeks, so I just wanted to come to you and share with you some announcements. Uh, I encourage you to visit our website, southsuburban.com, or our social media page on Facebook and Instagram, South Suburban Christian Church, for the most up-to-date information regarding services and events, postponements and cancellations, uh, the Sisterhood Retreat, which was originally scheduled for the end of March, is postponed. Our Brotherhood Breakfast, scheduled for March 21st, is canceled. And face-to-face -face small groups and classes are postponed through March 28th, including our Lunch and Movie Day for Seniors, Awana, and the Sisterhood Book Club. Our current plan is to go ahead with holding our Egg Hunt, Palm Sunday services and Holy Week services, as well as Easter Sunday services but we'll update you as we go. Some ways that you can stay connected. First of all, we hope you'll use our YouVersion Bible app where you can pick up sermon notes, online giving, and connect cards. There will be limited personnel available by email and phone during service times and office hours Monday through Friday from 8.30 to 5. want you to continue remembering that we are not a people of fear but of faith. So let us continue to abide together in our faith, deep in prayer, that this situation with COVID-19 will soon end. God bless you. Hey, thanks for joining us on this special podcast today. My name is Ike Nicholson. I'm the senior pastor here at South Suburban Christian Church. As you may know, our leadership team has decided to cancel public worship on March 15th and March 22nd as well as all events and small groups through March 28th. This was a really difficult decision. But as Christians, we seek to live and model the great commandment, to love God and to love our neighbor. We are not canceling being the church. We are expressing our love of God and for one another by seeking the common good for our community and our nation. We are further expressing our love of God and for one another through demonstrating solidarity with the governor's request and heeding the best wisdom of public health officials. Today, you and I are cooperating with the world for the common good, whether or not we understand or agree. Today, we come together as a nation. We come together as the world to pull in the same direction. I want you to continue to pray with us for our health care workers, government officials, and first responders. Pray for the world. That with wisdom, compassion, and perseverance, we can come together to stop the spread of this virus. We may be in the season of Lent, but at our core, we are a resurrection people. So, with that, if you have your Bibles with you, would you turn with me now to John chapter 4, and I'm going to begin reading in verse 7 through verse 26. A woman from Samaria came to draw water. Jesus said to her, Give me a drink, for his disciples had gone away into the city to buy food. The Samaritan woman said to Jesus, How is it that you, a Jew, ask for a drink from me, a woman of Samaria? For Jews have no dealings with Samaritans. Jesus answered her, If you knew the gift of God, and who it is that is saying to you, Give me a drink, you would have asked him, and he would have given you living water. The woman said to him, Sir, you have nothing to draw water with, and the well is deep. Where do you get that living water? Are you greater than our father Jacob, 
He gave us the well and drank from it himself, as did his sons and his livestock. Jesus said to her, Everyone who drinks of this water will be thirsty again. But whoever drinks of the water that I will give him will never be thirsty again. The water that I will give him will become in him a spring of water welling up to eternal life. The woman said to Jesus, Sir, give me this water so that I will not be thirsty or have to come here to draw water. Jesus said to her, Go, call your husband and come here. The woman answered him, I have no husband. Jesus said to her, You are right in saying I have no husband, for you have had five husbands, and the one you now have is not your husband. What you have said is true. The woman said to him, Sir, I perceive that you are a prophet. Our fathers worshipped on this mountain, but you say that in Jerusalem is the place where people ought to worship. Jesus said to her, Woman, believe me, the hour is coming when neither on this mountain nor in Jerusalem will you worship the Father. You worship what you do not know. We worship what we know, for salvation is from the Jews. But the hour is coming and is now here, when the true worshipers will worship the Father in spirit and truth. For the Father is seeking such people to worship Him. God is spirit, and those who worship Him must worship in spirit and truth. The woman said to him, I know that the Messiah is coming, he who is called the Christ. When he comes, he will tell us all things. Jesus said to her, I who speak to you am he. The word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Today, uh, we're continuing in our series, Breaking Expectations. Each week, we're getting to be eyewitnesses to a meeting between Jesus and another person where he blows their expectations out of the water. As human beings, we approach everything in life with a certain set of expectations, don't we? Whether a conversation is going to go well or not, whether folks are going to give us the answer or the response that we want, or whether certain people are going to prove our preconceptions of them to be correct. I mean, after all, who among us who have ever had our taxes audited were required to meet with the IRS auditor and expected that to be a life-giving experience. That's what this woman at the well was facing. Now, if you look back in uh, your Bibles, at the very back, in the, where the maps are in the back of your Bible, during the time of Jesus, if you look at the map of Israel, you'll see that each geographical area is named. At the very top of your page, at the very north, is an area called Galilee, which is where Jesus did most of his ministry. In the middle is an area called Samaria, and at the bottom is Judea, with Idumea at the very, very bottom of the map. Now, these areas all have a really long and unique history that go back almost a 1,000 years from the time when Jesus and this woman were having their conversation. After the reign of King David and King Solomon, the ancient nation of Israel divided into two nations— Israel to the north with Samaria as its capital city, and Judah to the south with Jerusalem continuing as its capital. Eventually, the northern kingdom of Israel was conquered by the Assyrian Empire. The Assyrians required the Jews living there to intermarry with Gentiles or non-Jews, thereby blurring the ethnic lines between Jews and Gentiles. Eventually, the southern kingdom also was conquered later by the Persian Empire. 
But the Persians actually allowed them to keep their customs, their culture, and eventually let them rebuild the city of Jerusalem and the temple that had been destroyed. Because of this, the southern kingdom had a greater sense of pride of their own ethnic purity, and they looked down on folks who lived in Samaria. There's a whole other interesting history behind the folks in Judea related to the folks in Galilee. If you have our study notes that are a part of the Bible app, you can go back and read more uh, there about that situation. When this Samaritan woman comes out during the day to draw water at the well, she sees Jesus, a Jew of stronger ethnic identity. She has her expectations as to how this is going to go. Now, added to this, we're all a little suspicious as to why this woman is coming out in the middle of the day. Now, it wasn't uncommon for women to be the ones who drew the water each day for the needs of their family, but it was usually something they did in the early part of the day when it wasn't so hot, not during midday when the sun was beating down. Was she busy that morning? Is that why she couldn't come out? Was she avoiding the other women? Did she just not like crowds, <laughs> like today, when we're all trying to avoid crowds? Now, I can imagine her caution as she came to the well and saw this sole Jewish man sitting there, a Jewish man in Samaria, no less. Lots of Jews, when they traveled through Samaria, would do all that they could do to avoid having to stop there for any length of time. Some Jews even chose to cross the Jordan River to the east and, and come down that way or go to the coast near the Mediterranean Sea so that they could avoid walking through Samaria altogether. But here he is, this Jewish man at the well. When she comes to the well, Jesus asks her for a drink, and she is stunned at this. Look at verse 9. She says, how is it that you a Jew, ask for a drink from me, a woman of Samaria. You see, her expectation is that this man, this Jewish man, would ignore her in the best of situations or insult her in the worst. And this Jewish man actually asks her for a favor. He puts himself in her control. I mean, she could say, no, I'm not giving you one. She could ignore him. She came that day just to get water. She wasn't expecting to have to deal with the issues of racism of her day. She wasn't expecting to deal with the, the disdain that we humans seem to so easily develop for those who are not like us. And Jesus responds to her. If you really knew who I was, not just a Jewish man, but the Son of God, God the Son, the Messiah, you'd ask me for the living water. It could have been this story that moved the Apostle Paul when he wrote to the church at Corinth in 1 Corinthians 12, 13, for in one spirit we were all baptized into one body, Jews or Greeks, slaves or free, and all were made to drink of one spirit. 
You see, the living water that Jesus is talking about is the Spirit of God. God, the Holy Spirit. Yes, this woman is aware of her own background, which we don't know yet. And she's trying to grapple with the idea that the holy God of the universe that she has heard so much about might love her enough to give her the fullness of his spirit. But she's not ready to relinquish her expectations yet. She's not ready to be able to see past their differences, let alone her worldview, that her situation has been so determined by the weakness of her flesh that there's nothing that can be done about it. But Jesus is patient. And as the two of them discuss the impact of this living water that he offers, she asks another question. Just give me the water, she says, so I don't have to come to this well anymore. Why is that so important in this woman's understanding and exchange with Jesus? So Jesus tells her, I'd be glad to do that. Just go call your husband, bring him with you, and I'll give you this water. Now I can imagine how the blood drained from her face when he said that. She might have wondered if Jesus knew, but she chose the safer answer. I don't have a husband. Well, that was true misleading, but true. Jesus shows her the depth of his compassion when he reveals to her her own brokenness. You're right. You don't have a husband. As a matter of fact, you've had five husbands. And the one you're with now, he's not your husband. And suddenly, in that moment, this woman's life comes into focus and maybe our own lives as well. She is, as the ancients would have called her, not a woman, but a harlot. Maybe that's why she comes in the middle of the day. The other women who gather there in the morning, maybe in the past they've scorned her, insulted her, ridiculed her. Maybe one of them actually lost one of their husbands to her, if not for a season, maybe for an evening. And suddenly, the fact that Jesus is calling her woman, a phrase of respect in many ways, in that time, maybe not in ours today, but in that time it would have been. But but any Jewish man or any person, they, they could have referred to her by the term that she was more used to, harlot, maybe even dog. It would have hurt her. But she wouldn't have protested if somebody had referred to her that way. You see, it was just the way things were. And too often, it's just the way things are today. Well, if you can look into the depths of the words of Scripture, we can see that fury begins to bubble up in her heart now. And and suddenly she goes on the offense against Jesus. She, She begins to make herself an ally with every other Samaritan, even though they would not have done the same for her. She challenges the expectations of how all Jews from Judea and Galilee, for that matter, have felt about Samaritans. And she offers this challenge to him. Our fathers worshiped on this mountain recalling the practices that date back to the division between the northern and the southern kingdoms after the reign of King Solomon. 
but she goes on. But you say that in Jerusalem is the only place where people ought to worship. You see, in Jerusalem, well, that's where the temple was. And the temple was the only place that you could make sacrifices. And sacrifices were the only way that sins could be forgiven. Her words were true with regard to the opinions of the Jews in Jerusalem. You see, because Samaritans would not come to the temple, even though they wouldn't even be allowed in the temple to begin with because they had intermarried with Gentiles, the Jews believed that the Samaritans were for eternity stuck in their sins. There was no grace for them. There was no mercy. There was no forgiveness. There was no way out. They lived without hope. God did not listen to their prayers. God did not extend forgiveness of sin to them. They could not come to the presence of the one true God. All that's true. At least, that's how many Jews in Jerusalem thought. (laughs) Well, there you go, Jesus. Try that one on for size. And then Jesus breaks her expectation. The day is coming when true worship will not be in a place, but in spirit and truth. No greater words of comfort could be offered to us today, especially in this season, as we have closed the doors of our church buildings, but we have not closed the doors of the church Our earthly sanctuaries, our worship centers may sit empty today, but still, you are here, listening to these words, praying for your brothers and sisters in Christ, for your friends and for your families, for your neighbors that you may not even know. Today, Christians throughout the world gather through the internet, technology, to pray for one another, for the Muslim, for the Jew, for the Hindu, the Buddhist, even for those who may not have any religion at all, because today the church prays for the victims of a virus too small to be seen, and yet one that will be defeated. Some say by the human spirit, But I want to echo the words of Jesus. COVID-19 will be defeated, but by the Holy Spirit. And how ironic it is that it takes a pandemic to finally bring us together. No longer Democrat or Republican, Jew or Greek, slave or free, male or female, but human beings created and loved by God so much that he gave his only son for our redemption and for our healing. Today, we are worshiping not in a place, but we are worshiping in spirit and in truth. This woman, she's almost there. She says in verse 25, I know that Messiah is coming, 
And when he comes, he will tell us all things. And finally, the one expectation she brings, Jesus doesn't break. He fulfills it. Well, sort of. I, Jesus says, who speak to you am he. Brothers and sisters, listen to the voice of the one who speaks to us. Not today through your computer or smartphone or tablet, but through his word. In this moment of anxiety, fear, uncertainty, humanity has come through the plague, the Black Death. We have survived world wars and holocausts. Our grandparents told us about the Spanish flu after World War I. And some of our own members here at South Sub have reminded me of the polio epidemic of the 50s and, uh, 40s and 50s. As a matter of fact, one told me how movie theaters were closed and parents closely protected their children as that pandemic targeted the youngest, not the oldest. Near the end of that At the University of Pittsburgh, a scientist named Jonas Salk launched what was then the largest human trial in history, injecting nearly two million American kids with a potential vaccine. And when it was announced that his vaccine worked, Salk was hailed as a humanitarian hero. Famed CBS newsman Edward R. Murrow asked Salk, who owned the patent, to his vaccine. The scientist replied, there is no patent. Could you patent the sun? You see, the reason we've taken the steps we have taken here at South Suburban Christian Church is because we too, like that woman at the well, recognize who Jesus is. And because he told us to love God and love one another. For that woman, her response showed that her life had been changed. If you continue reading in chapter 4, beginning in verse 27, the Bible tells us that she ran back to the village. And out of the lips of a harlot, the good news of Jesus Christ was proclaimed. For she told the men who had looked upon her as an object to satisfy their base desires, the women who loathed her presence near their families, she said to them, Come, see a man who told me all that I ever did. Can this be the Christ, the Messiah, God's anointed? God sees our plight. God sees the plight of the world. God hears our prayers and God will answer us. Have hope, brothers and sisters. Work together. Love God. Love your neighbor. And once again, God will hear us. Amen. Will you pray with me? Merciful God, we approach your throne of grace 
not by our own righteousness, but by that of Jesus Christ. And for the sake of his passion, by his stripes, your word promises us that we will be healed. And we beg, Father, that you will have mercy and compassion on the whole world, and you will heal us, not only of this virus, but of the human-made divisions we are so apt to create ourselves. Bridge those chasms, tear down those walls. For you have bridged the chasm to you by the cross of Jesus Christ, and by his resurrection, the curtain that separated us from you was torn in two. Come to us, O God, for we are not able to come to you and heal us in the name that is above every name, the name of the great physician, Jesus, who is the Christ. Amen. In the Christian church, one of the greatest things that we do on a Sunday morning is to celebrate the Lord's Supper. Typically, we do that in community. For we believe that when the church comes together in community, Christ is present. But today, heeding the words of Jesus, that true worship of God occurs not in a place, a building, or a city, but in spirit and truth, let us gather today in spirit and truth. I'd ask you to pause this recording for just a moment. And if you're able, go get some bread and wine or grape juice or, if nothing else, something that for you in this moment can be the body of Christ and the blood of Christ. Thank you for being here. Now, lift up the bread or whatever it is you have taken to, 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 to be the body of Christ for you. And let us pray. Merciful God, we come to you this day and in this moment in spirit and in truth. When being together in our houses of worship and in our sanctuaries is simply not possible. But in communion with all of the people of God and with you, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, remind us that on the night our Lord was betrayed, he took a loaf of bread, and after he had given thanks for it, he broke it and gave it to his disciples, saying, Take, eat, this is my body given for you. Do this in remembrance of me. And now raise that which you have gathered to be for you the cup of salvation. And after the supper was ended, he took the cup. And after he had given thanks for it, he gave it to them saying, this is the cup of the new covenant shed in my blood for the forgiveness of sins. As oft as you drink of it, do so 
in remembrance of me. For these are the gifts of God for the people of God. May we receive them with joy and thanksgiving in our hearts. And now, merciful God, pour your spirit out upon this bread and this cup that it may be for us the bread of heaven and the cup of salvation. And that as we receive it, we shall hear the words echoed throughout Scripture, only believe, and we shall be healed. This we pray in Jesus' name. Now, receive that which you have brought to this moment to be the bread of heaven. Take, eat. This is the body of Christ. Amen. And now, take that which you have to be for you the cup of salvation. This is the blood of Christ, shed for the forgiveness of your sins. Amen. Today, my brothers and sisters, we may not have met in a place, but we have met in spirit and in truth. May the love of God the Father, the grace of His Son, Jesus Christ, and the communion of the Holy Spirit be with you this day and forevermore. And the church said, Amen. Go in peace to love and serve the Lord. Thanks be to God.